Witness history this year at the French Open, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch it. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. It's three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off. We'll see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if fresh faces rise to the challenge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it all goes down. Welcome in to another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and you're listening on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Guys, tennis is back. Tennis is officially back. The Cincinnati Open, the Western and Southern Open is happening in New York right now, and it's the only thing I've had on my TV since it started. Um, If you can't tell, I'm excited. Tennis is back. I've been waiting for this day for... A long time since you know March ish, um, but the long await is over and tennis is finally back. I feel like I've been talking about it forever on this podcast about when tennis will be back, um, how it's going to come back, how things are going to be. But all in all, I think the transition to being back is going very smooth. Um, now thinking about it, there's so much room at the USTA National Tennis Center that they have room for everybody to be there. I like the way they're doing things. And um, I think it's going to run pretty smoothly. I mean, knock on wood here. But um, everything seems to be going as planned. And I think their policies they have in place are good. Um, Let me talk about the bracket quick before I get into everything else I've found out about how it's actually going on as planned. First off, there have been some upsets already in the Western and Southern Open. Uh, Madison Keys lost. Um the Dominic team lost, uh, Sasha Zverev lost. Those are just some of the upsets that I've seen, um, that I wanted to mention, but I want to talk about not who's getting beat, but who's winning. Um, something that I didn't expect and that it's really good to see Andy Murray, um, has beat Sasha Zverev. He's the one that beat Sasha Zverev. He beat, um, he beat, uh, Francis Tiafo in the first round. I could not think of his name. Um, Francis Tiafo in the first round, and then he goes on to beat uh, Alexander Sferov in three sets, and now he'll play uh, Milos Raonic. Uh, Sitsipas is playing well. Isner is playing well. Um, Opelka beat Schwartzman. That kind of surprised me a little bit, but nevertheless did. I heard, I heard that the field, not the field, the courts, are playing a little quick this year, so it might play to an advantage of a big guy like Opelka. And he'll play uh, Matteo Berrettini. Next round, um, Medvedev still in, Goffin still in, Felix Ogier, Ali Asim is out, Denis Shapovalov's out, but this is kind of something else I'd want to talk about on this podcast today, is does it actually benefit these players if they don't make it far in the Cincinnati Open, um, in the Western Southern Open, sorry, I'm so used to calling it Cincy, um, just because they have more time to prepare for the U.S. Open. Um, I heard one of the commentators say on Tennis Channel earlier this week that they're usually not a fan of you know, top players playing in a tournament the week before Grand Slam. But because of the circumstances, they say it's okay. They say everybody should play in it. But nevertheless, do you really want to make it far in this tournament? Because that means you're going to play late into this week and then start again next week. Some of those players that are already out, they got their quick paycheck. Probably not a lot, but they still got their quick paycheck, and they're just going to wait um, you know, wait and practice for a week before they have to play again. 
I don't mind it. If that's what they really want to do, they just want to get a couple matches under their belt, by all means, do it. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. The only problem is if you lose early in Cincy, you don't really get a whole lot of match experience, and then you might lose early again in the U.S. Open, and it's kind of all for nothing at that point. A um, few things I want to talk about uh, just with the tournament itself. A lot of people are arguing whether it's a real Grand Slam or not, and I heard Andy Roddick speak on this the other day, and I think it was perfect. He goes, in 20 years, no one's going no to care whether... You know, no one's going to care whether this was a pandemic or whether there were some top players not playing in it. It's going to go down as a grand slam. There's years that players don't play for other certain reasons. Um, they have injuries. There's been plenty of grand slams without Roger in it lately because of his injuries or he had surgery a couple years ago. Um, but never like there's always going to be tournaments without players in it. Right. And so this is no different. And he says, whoever wins this is going to get that check is going to get that trophy is going to get the fame of coming with a, you know, with a grand slam. If it's Serena, she's going to get 24. If it's, um, you know, if it's someone wins their first grand slam, they're now a grand slam winner forever. Right. So I don't think it really matters. And I agree with him. I think anybody who wins this, there are always players who don't play in grand slams. And I think it is going to be difficult because, you know, some, there's some really, really, really good players that would be playing in it, but never, not nevertheless, they're not playing in it because of this, but there are a lot of years where players don't play for a lot of different reasons. Um, I heard that uh, I heard a report that Riley Opelka's trainer said that Riley Opelka um, was kind of a fan of not not having fans there, but how much room there is now. He's like, we've actually can enjoy the grounds a little bit, and I see around the grounds they have like a mini golf tournament or they have a mini golf setup. They have. Um, like a mini tennis setup where you can kick a soccer ball over a net. Um, they have different games out um, right in front by the fountains. And I think that's good too. get the players out, get them doing something else. I don't know what the locker room setup looks like and all that. I'm sure it's changed a, a little bit or a lot for that matter, but they have stuff all around the grounds for the players. And that's something that's never happened before is they usually have so much stuff out there for the fans that the players kind of just do their thing in the back or behind the scenes, come out and play and leave. But I thought it was interesting on how, you know, much player engagement they have around the grounds. And I thought it was really um, something good for the players, get them out, get them doing something. I mean, they only can go back to the hotel. So it's not like they have other stuff to do. Some specifications about the tournament that I want to talk about. Um, each player is only three people can be with each player. That uh, that includes the player. So only three people per player, right? So that's the player and two other people. So, you know, Shapo brought his mom and his coach. Um, some other people are just bringing in their coach and their trainer. Some people are bringing, um, you know, more family. It, it differs from player to player, but three people. So I, I don't think that's bad. Um, I think that's a fair amount to bring, right? Because everyone's probably got their coach with them, and then they get one personal person. Um, I agree with that one. I think that one's fine. Um, Coco Goff, since she's under 18, I, her parents are excluded from those three people. So she, I think she brought a coach, someone else, and then her parents because she's under 18. Um, kind of unique circumstances there for Coco. Um, but in, uh, in, in the actual tournament, there is a Hawkeye it calls all the line calls. There's no umpires. I thought this was really interesting. I didn't know our technology was up to date that well. And in my head, I'm like, some of these umpires better be worried they're never going to have a job again. Because if Hawkeye can do this, that brings the cost down tremendously, I think. Um, just how simple they've made these matches and how they can go on with these matches 
without umpires. And the calls are always right, and they're always on time, right when it happens. It's called. So I thought that was one of the most interesting parts is there's no line judges. There's going to be no mistakes. Um, If I was a... If I was a uh, umpire, I'd be pretty worried about my job right now, to be honest. Um, but I thought it went very smoothly on the, all the matches I watched, and I, I haven't heard one complain, um, one person complain about the Hawkeye not being right. Because I mean, once it happens, if you disagree with it, they'll show it on the big board. You can't challenge anything, but they'll show it on the big board and show like, no, like it's always right. They've reduced the ball persons that they have. There's usually only one per side with a mask on, and then I believe there's one at the net. Sometimes there's um, – so there should be three, but sometimes there's a little bit more. I've noticed – I haven't really paid a whole lot of attention to that because it's hard to see um, when they don't really show the ball persons a lot. But I think that's what they've done. I, I think those ball persons have done an incredible job early on in this Western and Southern Open. I'm sure they're in the bubble and everything. But um, I think it's cool how those ball persons can really – um, get it all done by themselves. Um, the players grab their own towels, though, and there's kind of a they're mi- not a mishap, but people are worried about uh, you know the players having their play clock and then grab having to grab their own towels. But some umpires, and I believe it's a universal agreement that when you go grab the towel, they stop the clock for a couple seconds, so you do have a little bit more time to get what you need to do. This is one of the cooler things that I've seen um, that I'm going to talk about next, and I don't, I can't confirm this, but I've a, I've seen a couple videos that make me think every player has one, and that is every player has a suite in Arthur Ashe Stadium that they hang out in. They get food in there. That's where they hang out with their team. If they're not training, they're not in the locker room, or they're not, you know, playing. That's where they hang out if they're on the grounds. And I think that is so cool. And um, you know, this tournament, the U.S. Open, probably has more suites than any other tournament. I mean, it's a very United States Open, right? It's got all these luxury suites for all these high-end people in New York City. But the fact that they just give everybody their own suite is genius. Everybody stays in there. There's only three people total, right? The player and two other people that can be in there anyway. And they just order food. And food comes to them, and then they hang out in there. And they get to watch whoever's playing on Arthur Ashe. And there's windows there, right? So it's not like if they're loud, that people on Arthur Ashe are going to hear them. Um, so I thought this was actually super cool and super good for the players. Um, it gives them a place to social distance and be away. And there's two tiers of suites at the um, at the U.S. Open Arthur Ashe Stadium. So I don't think there's any better way to do it um, that the U.S. Open thought of. So I thought this was genius by the U.S. Open to put them in those suites. I believe there's even TVs in those suites. So um, they're living a pretty good life in this suite. Um, but I thought this was such a good move by the U.S. Open. I didn't know they did that until a couple days ago. Um, I believe every player gets one. I'm not 100% sure on all of that yet. It's kind of hard to get into what's actually going on inside the bubble because um, there's not a whole lot of media in there and they're not letting a lot of us in or like a lot of us see what's in there. But hopefully as the tournaments go on, they kind of show us what's going on. Um couple other things I want to talk about. Not a whole lot in this podcast. Um, you know, if you want to see how the how the matches are going, you can obviously go check on the ATP website or you can go to the Western Southern website. Um, I just want to talk a lot about what's going on in the bubble. I did see that there are some courts that have Black Lives Matter written on the side or right next to the net um, facing towards the TV. And I thought that was a very strong and powerful stance 
by the ATP. Um, with it being such a global sport, I just wasn't sure where their stance would be on this. Um, I, I would assume that after all, everything that happened with George Floyd, they would be a part of Black Lives Matter, just like every other sport. But since they are such a global sport, is it hard to, you know, confine to one country, confine to one? I, you know, it's kind of sticky situation there. But I think this is a move by the USTA. I think the USTA did put it on there showing they are unified. And to have a sport, um, I kind of explain hockey this way, that is so traditionally white, right? Um, tennis way back in the day was a lot of country club, um, you know, you're wearing your polos and now it's become more of a diverse sport and more for everybody you used to have a, have to have a lot of money to play tennis. And now, you know, anybody can really play tennis and get involved. And that's how I kind of explain hockey too. hockey used to be so predominantly white. And now there's some, um, diversity coming into the sport and it's really good to see them stand up against racial injustice and, uh, racism, especially here in America and to have all those global players kind of get on board with it at the U S open and talk about, um, you know, black lives matter, especially just another incident happened in Wisconsin with Jacob Blake. I'm proud to be a part of a sport that supports black lives matter in that aspect and, um, really isn't afraid to stand up against racial injustice and everything going on, um, in America right now. And especially in a city like New York, um, in a time like we're in right now to really see them take a stance against that. Really, really, really happy to be a part of that sport, um, you know, as a podcaster, as a fan, most importantly, and just as a supporter of the sport of tennis. Um, there's not a whole lot I want to talk about left going on in the bubble. Uh, I know there's a new schedule that kind of came out, and it does show the Nito ATP Finals. That will be happening in November, and the new schedule has most of the cancel events off of it, other than sometime in the past where I've had to scramble through those a little bit, but it has the two tournaments right now, and then um, Rome is probably the big tournament that goes into um, Roland Garros, and then in October, we haven't talked about October yet, uh, St. Petersburg there, uh, Moscow was there, Vienna, and then November, it goes Paris, Sofia, and then the Nito ATP finals on November 19th or on November 15th, excuse me. So um, that's the farthest of schedule um, that I'm looking at right now. Uh, the tennis channel kind of put it out. I'm sure there's dates past that, but right now that's, those are kind of what we're focused on. Um, the Nito ATP finals, I think will be very, very interesting. Um, I think that'll be the same bubble type thing. It's just, it'll be interesting to see how tennis goes about this bubble going into the future because if you have to bubble everywhere you go, that means they got to be there for, you know, a week or so, get tested, and then go into their tournament. So it's definitely going to take a little bit of adapting by these players, and they'll have to go places a little bit early or stay a little bit long just to hope they don't get the virus. But overall, I think right now in New York, things are actually going pretty well. So I'm a fan. Like I said, knock on wood, hopefully things stay the same or stay good there. But I don't know all the procedures they have in place, but what they do have in place, I think, is actually working right now. And the fact that they had to, that they went to a bubble type uh, type layout, I think, is going to help them a lot. I'm just excited tennis is back. And you know who else is excited tennis is back? Denis Shapovalov. Denis Shapovalov dropped Night Train, which is his, I believe it's his first single. Um, it's kind of a rap, kind of, you know, a song that he does and... You know, I'm kind of a fan. I don't, I don't hate it. I, I actually don't mind it. It's kind of good. Uh, the music video is a little all over the place. It's got cars, him playing tennis, 
people rapping, all that stuff. Um, but I don't really, it's got money. Um, I don't really care that it has all that. I think it's actually pretty good for somebody who I wouldn't expect to be, um, I know he's done like his rap at Indian Wells and stuff, but I wouldn't expect him to be a stellar singer or rapper. But I, if I just heard this out of the blue that came up on Spotify, I, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it, to be honest. And so, um, I just had to mention this. Go check it out. It's called Night Train. Um, I believe it's on Spotify and Apple, so anybody can really look at it. Um, but that should do it for this episode. If you want to follow me, you can follow me at Jacob Sersosimo, um, C-E-R-S-O-S-I-M-O, both on Instagram and Twitter, or at Believe Podcast, B-L-E-A-V, or go to Believe.com to check out all the other podcasts that are happening in the Believe Podcast world. Um, for that, watch the Western and Southern Open. Watch the U.S. Open. Next week, the U.S. Open starts. I am so excited. I've been watching a lot of tennis lately. But uh, keep your eyes and ears out for some good things happening in the tennis world because the way they're doing things right now seem to be the right way. And once again, I'm proud to be a part of a sport. and proud to be a fan. And um, I cannot wait until a Grand Slam returns. So keep an eye out. Keep listening to... Um, the tennis channel, they've had a lot of good uh, experts on the tennis channel talking about these tournaments and um, really intriguing, intriguing to listen to. Next week, we'll be back with another podcast and we'll talk about the start of the U.S. Open and how the Western and Southern Open ends and my thoughts on it. So everybody stay safe out there. Um, wear a mask if you need one. And once again, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.